Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Scouting Combine. Brandon Lagori bringing alongside Usam Patel. Today we're going to be we're going to be talking about mid-round running backs that hopefully will make a surprise whether they get landed to the Miami Dolphins or any one of the other NFL franchises. But before we get going, Usam, how's everything been, buddy? What's up, Brandon? Uh, we're we're a week removed from the Super Bowl, and you know. The NFL season has come to a close. I mean, this weekend, this weekend is the first time without football since last year. And honestly, I feel lost without it. <laughs> Literally, I I'm right there with you. I do not know what to do. I mean, am I going to be watching the NBA? Am I going to be playing games? I mean, what 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 am I going to do in my free time? You know, besides watching film and uh, you know doing a podcast podcasting. I mean, I've honestly been. Rewatching this the Super Bowl 55 highlights approximately maybe eight nine times over the last seven days. I mean just just the way that Tom Brady and that and that Bucks defense was able to suffocate Patrick Mahomes. Who would have thought? Number one, Mahomes didn't even toss a touchdown. Number two, the Chiefs only scored nine points. Three Harrison Butker field goals. I mean that was great game plan by defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. That was one of the greatest game plans. It honestly it, it reminded me of Brian Flores. And the Super Bowl versus the L.A. Rams. That's right. You know, relying on your defense, relying on your running game as well. You play the run to set up the pass, and that's how Super Bowl 51 worked out and Super Bowl 55 as well. And just, you know, just before we bring on Chip, who does a great job uh, covering Miami Dolphins football and draft analysts for Fin Fin Maniacs, Tom Brady just made it look easy. And, you know, what the, the craziest thing about it was the Super Bowl parade. I found out that Tom Brady literally tossed the Lombardi trophy. from. I saw coach. that video. And let me tell you this. He was not sober doing that. He, he was th- not this sober dude. at all. He was not sober. Honestly, <laughs> I had a laugh looking at it. Like, he was having a fun time. And you know what? I, I was happy for him. Whatever. Okay, cool. You won a Super Bowl. Do you, man? Do whatever you want. All right, so before before we get going, let's bring in our special guest, Chip. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful job covering football for the for the, the Miami Dolphins. Chip, how's everything going, buddy? Oh, it's going good. Um, I have to say, I, even even I can't stand Tom Brady. I've hated Tom Brady since, well, since he's been embryo. It, it feels like it's been that long that I can't stand him, but. Even I was was uh, lightened up a little bit. Like, well, he seems like he's having fun there in Tampa. It's in, in, he just he, I think he won a lot of people over. Didn't come off as you know the, your typical Tom Brady snobby type of thing that everyone has grown to hate. He just you know he definitely he definitely loosened up a bit for this for his seventh Lombardi Trophy, tossing it around a little you know like a like a schoolyard toy. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> No, Chip, I mean, just just before we talk about these, you know, mid-round type running backs, what was your overall thought on the Super Bowl? Not not only Tampa's offense scoring 31 points, but Tampa's defense holding Mahomes and that explosive offense to just nine points. They were – they clearly appeared more prepared than the Chiefs um, in pretty much every facet of the game. I was surprised by um, – I think as, as everyone was – by the – Chiefs 
the multitude of mental errors that they were that were made. I know that there was a huge disparity in penalties, um, but Tampa Bay simply came out and whooped their butts. And that's the only way to describe it. Um, from the from the shanked punts to the lining up offsides, it just seemed Tampa Bay was so much more prepared. And for a well coached team um, like the Chiefs and Andy Reid, usually being completely prepared, I was I was really surprised by that. I think what honestly shocked me the most, and uh, 99.9% of people will agree, it's just the way Mahomes was under duress every single snap. I mean, Tampa was sending blitz after blitz after blitz. I don't even think Tyree Kelly clips 100 receiving yards. And in the first meeting, Hill had over 200 receiving yards in the first quarter alone. So just the way that Todd Bowles was able to suffocate Patrick Mahomes, you got to give credit when credit is due. But let's jump into the main topic for today. You know, the running back is obviously a, a, it's, it's one of the most important positions in the game of football. I like to always say the offensive line is. A lot of people will also say the quarterback spot is. But you need a solid running game, especially when you have goal line situations. And you take a look at the top two running backs that are most likely to get off the board early in this upcoming April's draft. You got running back Najee Harris, who did a tremendous job out of Alabama. And then you have Travis Etienne, out of Clemson. But, Chip, I want to ask you, these two running backs, where do you see these two guys going? Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, do you see these guys going within the top 10, top 15 picks? Uh, I don't think they go in the top 15. I do think at least one of them goes in the first round, and I believe that's Najee Harris. Um, I would not be a bit surprised to see him go at 18. Um, I don't know that the... Uh, there's a better fit for Najee Harris than in Miami. Uh, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's a better. I don't know if there's a better fit for Miami than Najee Harris, um, as far as a um, a three-down back who can carry the rock and pound defenses for the first two, and also become a receiving threat at the backfield. Uh, Etienne wouldn't surprise me if he went near the end of the first round, uh, or maybe, maybe even sliding at the beginning of the second. Um, but I do think they'll both probably go in the first. And you also take a look at these two mid-round uh, running backs and Kenny Gainwell and Jarrett Patterson. What do you see out of Kenny Gainwell, you know, who was a former high school quarterback, produced over 1,500 rushing yards and 13 scores? What do you see in him that maybe might surprise some NFL teams? Well, I think Kenny Gainwell – I love Kenny Gainwell. I, I, I didn't – the more – it's one of those prospects that the more you research – um, and watch his traits um, and read about him, the more you'll like the player. He might be the best pass receiver. I'm sorry, he might be the best pass receiving back in the entire draft. Um, he's a natural patch ca uh, pass catcher, and he runs roots really well. Uh, I think he could easily just be a receiver in this, in this uh, draft, um, if not just as a running back position. He's got great lateral movement. He's shown off a really nice spin move. Um, the only thing that would concern me about him uh, is his build. He does seem a little bit slight. It's something that I think he looks, his frame looks like he could bulk it up a bit without losing a lot of speed. He's long and lean. So I don't, I don't, I'm not as concerned about it as I see some other people saying he's just not going to be a workhorse back in the NFL. I'm not hundred percent sure that's correct. And do you possibly see one of these two running backs falling to the Dolphins? Or how necessarily do you see Miami's running back dom dominoes falling out? Because you have 
guys that were able that were able to step up to the to the plate this year, Salvin Ahmed. The Dolphins weren't able to get much work out of out of Jordan Howard, who was later released throughout the the 2020 regular season. Do you somehow see these guys fall into the Dolphins? Uh, I could see uh, definitely. I could definitely see Kenny Gainwell um, fall into the Dolphins. I think Kenny Gainwell is less of a secret uh, to NFL scouts than a lot of people think that he is. I don't know that he's going to last much farther than, say, end of the second, beginning of the third round. Um, I think he's going to get snapped up pretty quick. I think he's going to uh, definitely go to an NFL team that's going to utilize him as a pass receiver. The Dolphins could very well be one of those. Usam, I want to... I want to bring you on to talk about these next two mid-round running backs. Muhammad Ibrahim, what do you necessarily see out of Ibrahim that could maybe, you know, not really, not, not necessarily shock the Dolphins if they're willing to take him, but maybe shock NFL teams that are in need of a running back? Oh, I do want to say that we did speak about Jared Patterson. We did have, you know, we did interview him and have a podcast with him. So make sure you guys listen to that on Spotify and up on YouTube. It was a great interview. I loved it. But when we're talking about Muhammad Ibrahim. He goes unmentioned a lot because he had this great run of two to three games in the beginning of the season in 2020 once Big Ten uh, football came back at the University of Minnesota. What stands out to me is that P.J. Fleck, the coach at Minnesota, who's a great coach, by the way, he labeled Muhammad Ibrahim as a leader in the running backs. I mean, he had a great 2018 season. He built it up for his 2019 season as well, and he was quiet. I mean, when you're having good seasons and you're quiet, there's some type of head scratcher going on. But it's as a result because Minnesota is not necessarily one of the top 10 teams in the country, but they have a good stable of players, kind of like um, Tyler Johnson, who was on Minnesota and who won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What I see from Ibrahim is that he thrives in between the tackles and lets the blocks develop. You know, he's very patient and waits for the lane to open up. And not only that, like, he's got a low center of gravity. He's got great balance as a runner. And, you know, he takes those hits. You know, he's able to bounce off those hits and gain that yak as well. Now, he might not have the long range range speed, but he can get up the field through, you know, broken tackles, spin moves, and juke moves as well. And, you know, he can block as well. He's a great pass blocker. As well, and he secures the ball. He barely has any fumbles as well. One of the names that shocked me on this list, and you know, Chip, you you guys should both chime in on this. How about running back Trey Trey Sermon out of Ohio State? We saw him against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game, and we saw him in the college football playoff game against Clemson, the way he was able to pound that football, I believe against Northwestern, didn't he have over 200 rushing yards in that in that game alone? Yeah, he broke the Ohio State record in that game. Um, and it's funny because I've we've discussed him briefly uh, on another podcast, and I think I mentioned him as being inconsistent. And looking back on that, it's easy to say someone's inconsistent when they have a game where they rush for over 200 yards. Um, you're not going to do that consistently for certain. Uh, he is he is a big, powerful runner, um, and he runs with uh, tremendous body control and balance as well. And, and, and he's, um, to, since we, it was brought up um, just recently with Ibrahim, uh, he is also a pretty willing pass blocker. 
uh, it's something I think he would have to refine at the NFL level, but he certainly has proven he can do it to an extent. Not, you know, not only that, uh, I do want to mention he did play at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and yes. Jalen Hurts, and he was a little bit productive, you know, but he transferred over to at Ohio State. And what Ohio State does well is those zone read or stretch types of concepts, and you saw it against Northwestern, especially with Summer. You know, he was he's projected to be a mid-round running back, which is why we're talking about him today. But like the Miami Dolphins, they run an inside zone type of concept, and he's a big running back. I believe he's what, 6'1", 215 chip, something like that. Right, yep, yeah. And he he is a bit of an upright runner sometimes, but uh, he always does tend to fall forward to get the extra yards. Yeah, exactly. And he's super, super productive as well. You know, he has the physicality. Yes. He has the balance. He's got the ball security like Ibrahim. He's got that toughness, and he can be that early down back and possibly a bell cow which is exactly what the Dolphins need. And he can be a great option in the mid-run. You know, he's got that value. He can really pound the rock, let's say, maybe 15, 20 times a game. And he's already tough. You know, he really hasn't, you know, as you say, consistently logged over maybe 100 or 200 yards, you know, in a single season. He's probably got a lot of gas in his legs. And that could be a great ROI as we say in finance, a return on investment throughout. You know, he could be kind of like um, – he could possibly be Derrick Henry, but I don't think he can be like that. You know, he can take on the load. But I don't really see him, you know, gaining 200 yards per game or absolutely destroying people uh, left and right. Yeah, he, he's definitely I, – I would Derrick Henry would be a lofty comparison. I mean, size-wise – uh, he's not quite the specimen that, that Derrick Henry is, but you're definitely right as far as um, him having some tread left on the tires. As they say, he was not uh, he was not by any means abused or overused in college. So heading into the 2021 season, which is obviously months away, do you guys see Miles Gaston sticking as Miami's main running back, or even or do you even see possibly one of these guys getting drafted or? Brian Flores taking a look at Travis Etienne or not or Najee Harris because Miles Gaston, remember late in the season he did have an injury. I believe he missed two or three games. The Dolphins want a consistent running back who is able to stay healthy over a full 17 game season. I believe the NFL is now shifting now towards 17 games, so it'll no longer be 16 games. But how do you see that Miami's running back unit possibly playing out? Not only Miles Gaston, what about even Salvin Ahmed who came in undrafted and running back Matt Breed as well. Well, I think that uh, I think that Miles Gaskin is the only surefire lock to return uh, to the Dolphins running back situation. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's under contract. He performed well in the limited usage he had. He definitely had a, a couple breakout performances um, as a running back. But I certainly, I do believe that he is probably going to be used as a part of a committee and i do think that there will be a an addition through through either free agency or the draft and with what the dolphins have been doing i am of the opinion it's going to be not specifically your high profile signing like i don't think you're going to be uh, big players for aaron jones i think he's simply going to command too much money and someone's going to have a lot of uh hasn't really been abused as a running back 
Um, but I think they would probably go ahead with a slightly uh, less costly free agent addition and one or two backs in the NFL draft probably sooner than later. Usam, how do you necessarily see this playing out as well? Do you possibly see Salvin Ahmed, who had, I believe, there was a game against New England, I think Salvin Ahmed had over 100 rushing yards. And it's been a long, long time. Chip, I mean, you know you know this as well. It's been a long time since the Dolphins had that consistent stability running back. I mean, not only can we maybe go back to Lamar Miller, but maybe even not only probably since Reggie Bush. I mean, it's been that long. I know we had like a little period with Jay Ajayi, but that was a one-time thing. Oh, yeah, correct. Um, that game against New England, I think that's basically the type of game plan and the type of style of play that Brian Flores is looking to instill into his offense and his team. You know, it all starts in the trenches. And if the offensive line can be built and if they can get better at run blocking, whether it's through free agent pickups or the draft or that the three look rookies on the line, improve in the offseason, and get much better. They're going to be looking as an inside zone and running power type of team. Now, Miles Gaskin and Sylvan Ahmed, they're not power running backs. They're more, more so change of pace. And I think, you know, both of them will stick around because they have been productive to a sense, you know, running the ball and catching out of the backfield, which is, you know, a need for Tua because he likes to throw to his running backs and his tight ends. But we really need a guy, you know, who can churn out the yardage, you know, and get away from defenders after the line of scrimmage. You know, that was the main concern with Miles Gaskin, Gaskin and Savan Ahmad. You know, they're smaller guys. They're not big bodies, bodies, and they can really be in that trash heap around the line of scrimmage, not able to get that extra yard or two. You know, at times they can. But most of the time, they can't. Uh, when we talk about these kinds of running backs, I'm really looking at, you know, Jarrett Patterson because he's a do-it-all kind of guy. He can maneuver his way through multiple levels of that trash heap and come out clean and get that yak. Uh, his footwork and his lower body, especially his calves and legs, they're always turning. They're always hot. They're always active. They're always ready. And he creates those extra opportunities. He can even, you know, catch out of the backfield, which is absolutely amazing. And he could be that third down guy, maybe. Um, there's another guy, which I really looked at. And he's coming from Kansas, Puka Williams. Uh, he was Mr. Louisiana uh, since Leonard Fournette. We know Leonard Fournette was the number four overall pick. Left Jacksonville, won a Super Bowl with Tampa. As well, when Pook came to Kansas, you know, he rushed for almost 1,125 yards on only 161 carries as a freshman. And that was through 11 games. And that's really, really good. And Kansas as a whole is not a good team in the Big 12 either. No. He's, he's not. And as a sophomore, he went over that 1,000-yard mark as well with only three touchdowns and 203 carries. That Kansas offense was not good, and they always turned the ball over. Uh, he's a patient type of runner that always keeps his feet uh, churning as well, which allows him to, you know, get that gas and go up the field once that hole is created. And, you know, he has a little bit of a juke move, the sidestep quickness, kind of like LaDainian Tomlinson 
but not really like it. And, you know, if he really puts everything together, I think he'll be a competitive runner. But I once go back to the line of scrimmage and trench battle. Puka Williams cannot do that. You know, that's his only weakness. I tend to look to Trey Sermon, Jarrett Patterson, and Muhammad Ibrahim for that type of play. Yeah, um, I, in looking at Puka Williams, uh, the the biggest thing that I can think of, it's, it, they, they should have, I, I don't know if, if um, his real name is Puka or not, if it's a nickname, I, not that I should talk, my real name isn't Chip, but hey, um, but they should have named him Speed because that dude is fast, fast. He is. Puka Williams is a burner. Now, I did see, he, and he, you don't often see a combination of his name is Anthony, by the way. Is it Anthony? Thank you. I appreciate that. See, I didn't, I didn't know that. Five ten, one seventy. Yeah, he's he's not gonna. He, yeah, he's not built for in between the tackles. He is extremely fast, and he is a very patient runner. Watching him run, he waits for the holes to open, and he once he gets once he hits that hole, he's gone. The only thing that concerns me about him at the next level is I've seen multiple games in multiple carries where he he'll completely change field in the back in, in behind the line of scrimmage if a play is not there he'll turn it around and try to take it the other way he's not going to be able to do that as well in the nfl uh, because he's going to be on the field with other players who have not his speed but certainly speed um to a greater extent than he's been used to in college. It's just the play is a lot faster in the NFL. That's going to be a habit he's going to have to get rid of. He's going to have to take what's right in front of him, even if it's, you know, if it's one yard, two yards, he's going to have to take it rather than uh, cutting it back the other way and losing six yards. You know, you speak about speed as well. There's a guy from Louisville, Javion Hawkins. You know, he's dynamic as well, but he's not the type of guy the Dolphins are looking for. He's a speed bat, speed back, you know, he's, not small, I guess you could say compact, but you know, once he gets his ball in the ball, the ball in his hand, and you know, he has a little bit like of a clear view or a nice hole, you know, he can take it possibly yeah. to the house. Yeah, I saw him listed at, at 196 pounds. If JV and Hawkins is 196 pounds, I'm the Easter Bunny. There's no way in the world that dude is 196 pounds. No, 176, no, no, no. 196, I'll buy, but not 100. That's what he's listed as 196. I looked at him and went, now, dude, one of my legs is 196 pounds. Like, I know what that looks like. He's under, he's undersized, and he's not that feature back. You know, he's kind of like, God, I really don't want to use this comparison, but like Tavon Austin in the backfield. You know, he's uh, he's a, kind of like a tr tricky guy with jet motions, perimeter runs, and you know, passing game in the in the fly or the Texas type of concept right. as well. We already have that in those running backs with yes. Patrick Laird, Miles Gaskin, Savon Alman. So I don't really yep. see him. Not on the Dolphins, but he definitely is gonna be he's gonna be a weapon somewhere. Someone's gonna be able to um, use him as a change of pace back. Um, and he'll I think he'll he'll definitely has a niche in the NFL. And I gotta ask you too. What do you th what do you think about Elijah Mitchell? Mitchell, the the raging Cajun man. Elijah Elijah Mitchell um, is more of a complete running back. Um, I don't think he's going to be a feature back, a starter, simply because he doesn't. He's not extremely athletic. He does a lot of little things well. He'll get you tough yards, um, and he, you're not going to bring him down with an arm tackle. Uh, he, and he's he just he's a fundamentally sound back. Um, he's a straight line runner. 
he's um, he will he will stiff arm you and put you on the ground. Um, I, I believe Alabama found that out the hard way uh, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and he's uh, he he won't go down on first contact. He'll get you the extra yards. He'll fall forward. Um, he isn't. He will be a decent all-purpose back in the NFL. Um, but I think he'll be the member of a rotation simply because he lacks elite speed and he's not going to um, wow anyone with juke moves or, you know, he's not extremely elusive. He goes out there. He's a lunch pail guy. He's going to get you your three yards in a cloud of dust. And you speak about a running back come by committee. That's exactly what he was with Louisiana. Uh, he carried the ball over 500 times at one point and gained 6.2 yards per carry with 41 touchdowns in his career. And that's a great ratio for a backfield that was a running back by committee. You know, he can catch the ball. And we saw it at the senior bowl as well, even though he yep. only ran the ball four times for two yards and, you know, caught the ball twice for 10 yards. Uh, he gets a ton of that work as a receiver out of the backfield. You know, we already have that Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, DeAndre Washington, and uh, Patrick Laird. With, with, with Mitchell is that, you know, he's got really, really great contact balance and he's condensed in his frame yes as well he's he's got more of that upside to become the do-it-all guy you know he doesn't do one thing great but he does a lot of stuff good you know yes. if you're not looking for an explosive back that can you know carry your team he's that type of guy who can turn out that maybe three to four yards that you're looking for and just you know run out the clock yeah, little... being, being able to do things, a lot of things well, will get you a career in the NFL, that's for sure. It it honestly will. And, you know, he he can fit the Dolphins as an inside zone kind of running back, but you need that strong guy with great burst of speed and quickness that can also catch outside um, of the backfield as well. And, you know, Mitchell does not have the frame for what the Dolphins should be looking for in the draft. Let's say hypothetically that, you know, the, these 10 guys are thrown to Brian Flores. If Brian Flores had to choose one of these guys to compete for a starting roster spot, which one of these 10 guys do you think Flores would, would pick? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go first on that one because the one, I'm th one, one I was going to pick hasn't been discussed yet. Oh, I was going to say the same thing too, Chip. So you lay it out on me. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Jermar Jefferson. I was going to say the same exact he, thing too, I, Chip. I, he is the guy that nobody's talking about that I look at. And I know he, he had a, a bit of an injury issue, uh, yeah. I want to say, his sophomore year. Yep, his sophomore year. Yeah, but that there's this – you want to talk about somebody that can do it all, but do it all at a high level? It's him. That's your guy. He is elusive, he's fast, he's strong, and everyone says he's – here's an example of, of why I, I simply don't believe the, the stats shown for J.B. and Hawkins because um, he's listed at the same size pretty much as Jamar Jefferson, and Jamar Jefferson is just a bigger dude. He is um, – they say his size could be a problem. I don't see it. I simply don't. I don't think he's as tall as he's listed – um, he has speed. He has lateral agility. Lateral agility. He has very good vision, and he's physical. He's he's as they as they say, he's thick to the bottom end. He will. He can run through you, and he can run around you. So he's he's a guy I would love to see on Miami. I 
I do too. And I think you really saw it in uh, the Oregon, Oregon State game, which was formerly called the Civil War. But for historical and political context, we won't call it that. We'll just call it, call it the Oregon rivalry. I mean, that game, Pac-12 after dark, dude, that was absolutely crazy. That game was insane. You played in the fog and Oregon State made a great comeback. I mean, the Beavers, they came back and won it 38 to 41. And Jermar Jefferson was the guy to lead them. I mean, he had a couple of touchdowns and some really, really great runs. He's 5'10", 216, compact. You know, he's got that big build. He's got that body of a running back between 5'10", 5'11", 6'1", 6'0", kind of like that. And he's productive. He's that yard gainer in an offense. He's a good athlete. With great agility, as you said, Chip, he's got great body control, and he secures the football well. He catches the ball out of the backfield, especially, especially on checkdowns. You know, if you don't have your first or second read, boom. All Tua has to do is boom. Give it to Gaskin. Give it to Ahmad. Give it to Jermar Jefferson. Potentially. Maybe even Najee Harris. Who knows? He can work in the space, and he's creative with his vision as well. He can go up the field, and he's shown the ability. And, you know, effectively, he's able, when he's running that route, he's got a wide receiver type of release as well. Yes. Which yes, is crazy. And that creates that, you know, problem against bigger-bodied linebackers and, I guess you could say, potentially uh, strong safeties who are around the line as well. That vision and that field that he has, especially against the defense and zone coverage, he can make some damage as well. He's a tough runner, great footwork, and even when the hole is closed, somehow, someway, he finds that daylight. He's like a, he's like a freight train, I guess. Yeah, he's a, he's a, a little freight train, but yeah, I see what, I get what, exactly what you're saying. He's oh, a- I gotta tell you this stat, which I found the other day, too. Against eight defenders in the box, okay? Eight defenders in the box. Can you guess what his yards per carry is? No, I, I'm, I'm in, now I'm now I'm very intrigued. It's above five yards per carry, and that's crazy. The crazy wow. number is eight point four yards per carry, with eight defenders in the box. <laughs> that's nuts. It's funny, but but, but listen, you you got to take this into context of what kind of conference he plays in. He plays in the Pac-12, which is necessarily not known for its great shutdown defenses like the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten. Right. Yeah, uh, he, it's it's obviously he's not going to – if he was doing this sort of thing in the SEC, he'd be uh, getting a lot more national attention. I think he'd be the yeah. first-rounder pick yeah. as well. And he fits what the Dolphins run, that zone read so, scheme. So is it almost – I mean – can we? Can all three of us agree that ninety nine percent likelihood the Dolphins will definitely address the running back spot in this upcoming April's draft? I think they'd be crazy not to. <laughs> it's it showed last year. I mean, they did try. They tried to address the um, running back situation right. in free agency and through trading a draft pick on draft day. Uh, it just didn't work out for him. I, I, was I, was, honestly, I was honestly hoping, Chip, that the Dolphins were going to draft J.K. Dobbins, and, and we saw that he he ended up falling early to uh, to Baltimore. If, if it wasn't for uh, J.K. Dobbins, I was hoping for Deion, DeAndre Swift. Yes. But I, I definitely agree. I think the Dolphins definitely have to address not only the running back spot, which we'll have another conversation about this for, a, for a, another podcast, but definitely the wideout spot too. Agreed. 
Now, I want to ask you guys this. Let's say the Dolphins pick up Najee Harris and they have a backfield during after the first or maybe even potentially second round. Their backfield consists of Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, and Najee Harris. And all of these guys that we already talked about, they're gone out of the board. Right. There's this guy from Michigan <laughs> who's not known that well. Chip, I see you laughing in the back. I got it. Yep, because I didn't know who the heck he was. And I was like, who's this Chris Evans guy? And I looked up. I, I, it's, he's not Captain America. I can no, tell he's you not. that. No, he's not. He's um, – He's, it's difficult to find stuff on him simply because he hasn't played in a while. He hasn't played in about two years, other than you know, very, very limited stuff. While that's great as far as you know, reducing wear and tear on somebody, uh, he, I, I, I'm concerned not only because he hasn't played in so long and you don't really know exactly what you're getting, um, but also the fundamentals that he he could have learned. He's not hasn't really played very much. Uh, since I want to say 2000 and 2017, I believe if that's correct, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he missed the 2019 with yep. uh, an academic suspension. And yes, he was rarely used last year in 2020. Yep. On the upside, he does have a lot of versatility. I mean, he was he was a good receiver, he was a good running back, and he even returned kicks. So there is there is some something to be seen there. I don't know. Um, when he would be drafted, I'm thinking it's you're talking late rounds or undrafted free agent for him. Um, but he, I mean, the, the upside is there. I don't think that's a question. He's definitely got some versatility to him, and he's not. Um, he's he's physically gifted. Let's put it that way. Now, what really stands out is especially the comments his coach has made. It uh, Harbaugh described him as special, and. Uh, Wolverine's running back coach Tyrone Wheatley basically said his impact for a team, especially in the running game, is similar to Steph Curry in the three-point and mid-range game. I saw that comment. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, now wait a minute. Here's a guy who was barely used last year, hasn't played in two years, and is drawing Steph Curry-like comparisons. Okay, we know why he didn't play in 2019. But in 2020, with Michigan struggling already, like, I mean, you got to use him a yeah. little bit. His freshman year, his, his football debut, he rushed for 112 yards, and two touchdowns with 14 yards per carry. And he was only the third player in Umish history to break 100 rushing yards in their debut. And he provided that spark for the offense in 2017. Now, look. He's got all the tools, and he's dense. And he's got that cutting ability that you see, you know, to get away from defenders. He's like, he's a dark horse candidate. And as you said, you know, late day three, maybe even undrafted. He's he's unknown, right? Exactly. He's got all the tools. He's he got does. the build. 5'11", 2, 215, 216. He's got the skill set to be a three-down kind of, running back not only that he's played cornerback before he played slot receiver as well yep and he ran track as well so it's, it's not it's not as though he's not athletic it's just can he can he keep it together and bring it to the field and if you look at his tape back from 2017 he can pass protect yep. he can catch as well and he's a willing blocker kind of like that third down guy with patrick laird but better 
pass blocking ability. And he did that in 2017 against Wisconsin. And back in 2017, Wisconsin was a monster. They had a monster, monster pass rush. But the only knock I, I got to say for him is that, okay, he has all the tools he's fi- basically physically capable of. What about his mental acuity? You know, does he use his eyes well to look at the holes and burst through him? Or is he even patient to, you know, if the hole's open but closing right there, he can go in there but not get a lot of yards when the other hole is open, either on the B gap or the C gap, and he could just bounce out, out outside and possibly go for that first. And that's the only knock I have on him. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know he had the, um, the academic issue. Um, but I don't, uh, from what I read on it, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a lack of grades. It was something called an academic, it was referred to as an academic mistake, which I, I don't know what exactly that means, but it's, um, I don't know if it was a questionable decision-making of some sort or another. I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, he's, he's like, you called, you referred to him as a dark horse. That's, that's the perfect description for him because he, if he can get if he can get together, and let's all hope he does. I hope he he definitely has the athletic ability to help an NFL team. I hope so too, uh, Brandon. I want to ask you: out of all these ten guys, just for a second, imagine Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter are not. It maybe even Kylan Hill. You know they're already gone, right? By the Dolphins go to pick thirty six or fifty, and they settle in round three to seven running back. Who's the guy you're really, really looking forward to having on the team? Everybody's going to probably laugh at me when I say this, but I honestly like this kid, Trey Sermon. I mean, he's one of these underdog kids that no one really necessarily talks about, right? He goes into one of the biggest games in the Big Ten, which is the Big Ten championship game, and a a chance to solidify your school to be one of the four best to compete for a national championship. And what does he do? He goes – he he breaks – as, as Chip mentioned, he broke Ohio State's rushing record. So he's one of those guys that if the Dolphins are willing to take uh, Trey, Trey Sermon, he just has that underdog men- mentality. And I honestly love guys like that. I mean, you even look at a guy like Preston Williams, a guy who was undrafted. Nobody probably even talked about him, right? Brian Flores brings brain, him in. And during Miami's 2019 rebuilding year, who scores the first offensive touchdown for the for the the Dolphins? It was Preston Williams. Yep. So I I I'm looking at 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 Trey Sermon to be one of my top picks. Again, just that overall underdog like attitude. I love guys that, for example, a guy like Tom Brady, right, who's taken the 199th overall pick. A guy like An- Antonio Brown, who came out of Sen- Central Michigan. I mean, these are schools and these are guys that no one really talked about on draft night. But now you flash forward years later, you got Tom Brady with seven Super Bowl rings. You have Antonio Brown, who, despite some off-the-field issues, is still considered one of the best wideouts to ever play this game. So, I honestly, I'm looking at running back Trey Sermon out of the Ohio State University. You can't forget about Zach Thomas either, man. Yeah, and who was also snubbed of yet another pro um, another pro football Hall of Fame vote. <laughs> God, man. He'll get there. He, he better. Chip, I got to ask you the same question, too. Yeah, I, I don't dislike Trey Sermon. I think I think Trey Sermon is going to be a uh, contributor at the NFL level. Um, but if you had to ask me out of these 10, I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to go back to the gentleman out of uh, Oregon State. Mm-hmm. He's uh, Jamar Jefferson, I think is going to be an underdog. 
story. Um, people, uh, people, you know, don't you don't really hear a lot about him simply because of he's like like we said before he's out of the Pac-12, so you're not going to hear as much about him. Um, either him or the other one would be Kenny Gainwell. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Jermar Jefferson too, but you already you already took that spot. Yes. And I know Jason is going to say Jarrett Patterson. I I just know it. He, he will always say <laughs> Jarrett Patterson. Now, if I'm if I want to play risky, I'm going to go with Muhammad Ibrahim. Now, look, he did have injury concerns as well. And as you said, with Jermar Jefferson, we can have a Pac-12 backfield with Savan Ahmed, Jared Patter. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, with Savan Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, and Jermar Jefferson. I'm looking at this Big Ten running back who's not named Trey Sermon. And I'm going with Muhammad Ibrahim. Yeah, I mean... He- he runs he, like a pinball, for lack of a better term. I watched him run, and he's not like we like we discussed. He's not going to be elusive. He doesn't have a lot of speed, uh, but he is a in between the tackles runner. He's going to get you those yards. Yeah, and uh, a knock on him too is basically he's not a great receiver out of the backfield. You already had that in Miles Gaskin, maybe even Patrick Laird and Swan Ahmad is a given as well. You know how many running backs are you going to have that can also catch out of the back but I get I get that's a plus yeah but you need a guy who you know brings that threat of oh my god I need eight people in the box you have them there and you roll with the play action pass and boom you give it to the tight end give it to the wide receiver and I, I feel that's the kind of running back Muhammad Ibrahim can be if he's coached up well and if you know he gets healthy and you know leaves all this injury concern behind him I feel like he could be really really good yeah, I mean, there's again, it's it's he's going to have a place in the NFL. That's not even a question. Guys, this was a great conversation speaking about the top running backs that we think will get drafted in this upcoming April's draft. But before we wrap up today's podcast, I want to make sure that uh, that you guys tune in to Jason's podcast with Jarrett. And if you guys have not listened yet, to so please listen to it. You can watch it on YouTube or even listen to it on uh, Spotify. But first, Chip, I want to thank you. For coming on our our show today, thank Take you for having time me. Added on your Saturday to come talk with uh, Usam and I, and it's always you know greatly appreciated. So thanks, Chip. Thank you. And be sure to, to listen to this podcast when it comes out. And as always, Brandon Lagori, Usam Patel. Be sure to check out our work on finmaniac.com. Be sure to follow all three of us on our personal Twitter accounts. And fins up, guys. Fins up. <laughs>